Thanks to Audible for supporting the Drunken Taoist for a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Go to audible.com forward slash Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T. Beautiful. Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, a real rantathon on topics ranging far and wide, including the good and evil of Facebook, cultural appropriation leading to Chinese folks making great Italian food, a hard lesson shows a little regulation is necessary to protect the little guy, more punishment of the victim stories courtesy of the holy book, and might be to the rescue yet again. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 105 of the Drunken Dows Podcast, the Rantathon edition yeah today we are on fire but let's thank a few folks up at the top Ooh, let's start here yes let's start with that this the crinkly sound, sound yeah i'm gonna open it here we go why well, it feels it feels like it's made of hemp but it would fit nicely in your pocket yes it's a dr sarah wallet awesome i just got one too tears i, I tested it to the limit because my wallet is about the size of a house i just usually have like 3200 things in it rarely money but a lot of other stuff not money, not a lot of receipts yeah. a lot of, uh... and uh so i stretched this datsusara wallet to the limit and he handled it like a champ so yeah it's awesome like everything that we own from datsusara so as usual check them out our discount codes is in the episode notes if you are planning on buying from datsusara check it out and we love them. We have all their gear. That's what we use all the time. We are ridiculous. Like when we meet each other, we're carrying like 3,200 Datsusara bags everywhere. So it's... We do look kind of like we're going on maneuvers though. Yeah, it's yeah. It looks like... Militaristic, awesome sort of... Tactical. All, yeah, all the way course. down to the cool Velcro where you can put your yeah. own patches on. I always leave my Datsusara patch though because that's just too cool. That is good stuff. And uh, all the way to the Joe Rogan, Daniele Bolelli fanny pack, which my dear sweet wife doesn't leave home without it. I love it. It's great. Today, as we record, I was I wanted to munch on something, so I had my on it moment at the same time. I got um, e- I just finished eating some of the protein bars. I just finished eating while we are recording the episode some of the buffalo bars. I di- and I had an alpha brain this morning, the in powder one. So I'm in a on it loving day. Check them out as well. <laughs> Lots of amazing stuff. If you lift weights, they started having these Captain American uh, um, weight plates that are pretty hilarious. Never mind uh, artistic uh, kettlebells and everything else. So 
check out Onnit, check out Datsusara, they are both awesome, they have been in our corner all along, and while you're at it, check out Shore Design with the funkiest t-shirts on the planet, love them all, and speaking of t-shirts, if you want to check out our t-shirts, um, we have four different ones we have produced, one better than the next, always sweet if you feel like getting one. Um, Rich was telling me stories of running into people wearing them, which always makes our day. They're out there. So if you're thinking of it, the post office just fucked me over. Some sweet person ordered it from Thailand, which is kind of funny since they are made by Shore Design in Thailand, but they <laughs> can't send them from there. Quite a voyage. So I was like, okay. And he got four t-shirts, all of them. I'm like, this is awesome. Thank you. Great. I send it. Package lost in the mail send it again not so happy about that part but it happens well we'll ensure the next one yeah but um yeah man so that is what's up um anything else we need to say up top no i think it's rantaton let's go incredible tales of, of people giving their daughters out to mobs and uh, killing folks for no good reason and really not following any of the Ten Commandments that are laid out. No, come on. Why would you say that? Well, it just seems are to you, be a lot of confusion. Are you saying that like a tale from the Holy Book would contain things like murder and rape and... Lots of it. No, never. Well, okay, today maybe, maybe, maybe just, just today, today will be. Just this time. Let's see. Are we ready then? Barely. Let's play. All right, okay. Put my safety helmet on. So we are talking about the story of King David last time. King David Part 2. Here we go. So it starts out, not with David, it starts out with some of his three zillion kids that he has from his multiple concubines. So in one case, one of David's sons, some nice guy named Amnon, decides to invite his half-sister Tamar over and promptly rapes her. So that's always a good start for a VeggieTale version of the Bible. I right? would love to see that one. Larry the Cucumbers there raping his half-sister. Now, this wouldn't even be mentioned in the Bible if it wasn't for the fact that Amnon doesn't behave like all good rapists are supposed to behave. He behaves like a bad rapist. Because the good rapist, according to biblical law, should then marry the woman he just raped, and then all would be good, right? He would make up for it and everybody would be happy. Instead, he decides not to marry her and actually kick her out in the streets. Oh. So the fact that David then did nothing about this, just kind of looked the other way, enraged one of his other sons, who was actually Tamar's full brother, a guy by the name of Absalom. That's a hell of a name. I know. What's your name? Absalom. That's quite interesting right there. The, so Absalom is a guy who 
doesn't mind waiting for his revenge. So he waits it out a little bit, and a couple of years later, he staged a party for all of David's sons, inviting everybody. And over dinner, he has Amnon murdered right then and there, saying... Out on the floor or off to the side, or was it a part of the main right, event? Right there at dinner at the dinner table. Nice. Under the, Very Game of Thrones. Got you, motherfucker. You know, so... <laughs> Amnon is gone, and clearly that sets him up on a bit of a collision course with his father. Uh, where there's so eventually, because Absalom had it, he's like, Look, you know, it's not your fault that this motherfucker raped um, Tamar, but it is your fault that you didn't do anything about it. And so he kind of gets disgusted with his father's rule, not just with this. So as Amnon killed and civil war basically breaks out, Absalom is making his move to kick out his father out of power and take the kingdom for himself. Out of curiosity, how many how many people are we talking about? This kingdom is it a hundred thousand people? Is it a it's million people? It's complicated. They're trying to get uh, accurate population estimates for something that may or may not have happened three thousand years ago. It's tricky business. There's not even any sort of so, idea. No, I mean, the biblical tale give you high numbers, but who knows whether those are even remotely accurate or not. You would be definitely in the hundred thousands plus, possibly even low million. But again, that could be completely inflated, and you're talking about a fr- Nobody knows for sure. Okay. But, so civil war kicks in, and um, because we are, you know, it's the Bible, and we only had one rape so far. We can't stop here, right? No. We need a little more. Yeah. So the thing that Absalom does when he ma- does manage with his troops to kick David and his supporters out of Jerusalem, so in order to avoid being defeated, they have to flee the city. Off they go. Absalom, to make his statement that he's the man, that he's now the one in charge, grab 10 of his father's concubines who have been left behind and uh, rape them on top of the roof of the palace so for everyone to see. Uh, I quote from the Holy Book in 2 Samuel 16.22. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house and Absalom went in onto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. So now we have a nice, well, you got to, you know, the guys. Not the tiniest bit hypocritical in any way? Just a tad. You you got to think that there was some strange ancient Jewish Viagra going on because. Well, I was one of that too, Yeah, that seems intense, but that is what happens. So now in the following battle, when eventually Absalom's army clashes with David's army. Absalom's in the back is just droopy dick. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can take care of it. I've done my part. Yeah. His army got defeated. <laughs> no surprise. Uh, and as he's trying to run around, he had apparently pretty long hair and his hair got caught in the low branches of a tree. And he's kind of like dangling there from a tree. It's and, not always um, dangling. <laughs> David's soldiers found him still alive by hanging there. And they knew that David, despite the fact that clearly he had some issue with his son, he did have a, uh, he didn't want to kill him. He wanted to forgive him. He, some of his soldiers are like, yeah, right. So they promptly kill him on the spot to 
not have that option on the table of like, do we forgive him or not? Should have taken him back to the ten concubines. That would have been kind of a well. Speaking of the ten concubines, we're not done with them because they're all pregnant. Because now that he's restored to the throne, David, what do you do about your ten concubines? Well, they're sullied. They must be on their way. It's their fault for getting raped. If I've learned anything from the Bible, <laughs> you clearly have learned hey! everything that is to learn from the oh, Bible. Wait, I'm a scholar. You did awesome, David. Promptly punished them for having been raped by refusing to have sex with them ever again and kind of locking them out. I'll show you. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Again, this is... You know, when we first started this, you could have thought one crazy biblical tale somewhere. Uh, All ancient books have some weird stuff here and there, right? No big deal. It happens. Nobody's perfect. Oops, we threw in this scene that was a little disturbing, so it happens. How many episodes have we done where these tales show up? One after another, after another, after another. It's got to be at least 30. Something like that, right? And it's like, and every other story is like this. And this is the book they want to run the whole world of. Of course. This is the good holy book. And incidentally, this is the same shit that then... All of them go for because this is clearly Judaism. Yeah, this is Islam as well. Christianity ran along with it. Islam ran along with it. This is the stuff that sets up the stage for all Abrahamic religions. So yeah, happy times. Another glorious chapter of uh, high morality coming to you from the pages of the Holy Book. Now you know uh, you're going to find me in D.C. On, on Earth Day for this fucking science march. Right. It's, it's the last gasp. Man. Uh, They're reaching for it. Yeah, this is beyond weird. But on that happy note, I would say Bible time is done. Hope you have learned your lesson. I've learned a couple. In an episode full of rants, it's rant time. Yes, today um, we're on fire. Um, <laughs> okay, one quick thing before we rant away that I wanted to mention. I got an email regarding a mini documentary about MDMA-assisted therapy for veterans with PTSD. This particular film focuses on the story of two American veterans trying pretty much every other form of therapy without success and getting their lives saved thanks to MDMA-assisted therapy. So that's a hell of a great story right there. It's a very important one, one that our listeners would probably dig, considering that the whole psychedelic culture is very popular in uh, our podcast among our podcasting friends. So check it out. I'll put the link on, in the episode notes at thedrunkentowers.com. There's uh, the YouTube video. It's free. It's just for you to check out. This is just information, nothing. It's not a pitch for buying something or anything. Check that out. It's, um, I think it's a great topic. Absolutely worth your time and interest. And I'll put a link to the Twitter of the people who made the documentary as well. Having said that, um, 
tell me about Facebook. You had. Uh... I just I've been having some realizations about Facebook now that we're you know deep into it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been like a decade. It's been around, yep. and it strikes me that we have given something away that before Facebook, mm-hmm. if you had bad high school years or bad middle school years, if you get past them, those things sort of make their way into the rearview mirror and Sharp. start to distance. Well, all that got ripped away once the Facebook started. And I think sort of these interactions with folks that should have been long forgotten <laughs> being dug up and, and reprocessed, mm-hmm. I don't think that's exactly the most healthy thing in the world. And uh, and granted, you can like shut people down and, and, and not like folks and things like that, but there's always a way through ancillary friends where they can still send pictures and things you would never want seen. And that's just kind of a crazy thing. It's sort of like we've opened ourselves and for us in our forties, it's not that big of a deal. It is just sort of like amazing to see what we're willing to just let, you know, access to things that have already kind of been settled and buried. Yeah, it's, it's trippy. And this is something that I enjoy, right? Because I do like social media. Yeah. I do like the possibility to connect with people that you never connect otherwise. I do like even some of the finding people that you would have never run into. Some people are cool to reconnect later. There's some positive things that come from it. That's true. But of course, there's also the negative side. Just the same way as you're like, whoa, I would have never run into you if it wasn't for Facebook. There's also the... I wish I'd never. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. Yes. I, there was an Italian Facebook group. I forget the exact title, but it was something like, you know... You, the, the group was called you are hoping they were dead and instead they show up and ask your friendship on Facebook and uh, yeah there's that so it's but that was just sort of sent me down this pathway of you know what that's like and like I said we can survive it and it's not that big mm-hmm. of a deal but to be a middle schooler with that sort of level of you know I, you know, back in my day, there were like slam books where you could write shitty things about sure. people. And you know, now the slam book is broadcast twenty four seven, and to watch these kids get to the level where they're killing themselves over things that are brought up on social media. Yeah, because of course, bullying when it just doesn't end on the school playground, but yeah. when it extends to social media, that obviously it empowers it to yes. that tenfold. So that is uh, objectively worrisome kind of shit and you're absolutely right about it. So what sort of uh, Pandora's box have we opened with this? It is one and it is why it's how do we get the good stuff without all the crap? Because there is plenty of good stuff. How do we get to keep that without opening the door to all the other crap that come with it? And I honestly think that this is part of an ongoing dialogue that none of us have the perfect solution here right now. No, the We're technology o- seems to be in front of us almost. Completely. It, next thing gets introduced, I mean, like when it comes to Snapchat and things like that, I don't really have a complete understanding of why you need it or how yep. it totally works. It seems very dangerous to the notion that I can put any sort of little video up I want to and it's just going to be gone. The hell it's going to be gone. You put anything yeah. on that internet, and I don't care what sort of nah, Snapchat sure. or whatever you're going through. It's not very hard for me to have my phone rolling yep. on the Snapchat, on the screen, and there you go. It's preserved for all time. Absolutely. Yeah, it, that one is a tricky one, and I think it is one of the great questions of our time, is how do we use these amazing technologies that we could have only dreamed of a few years ago to our advantage and not in a way that screw up our life? 
I don't even know that there is one single right answer because that varies from person to person and, and even from is. one time of your life to another. Yeah. But it definitely, I don't think it should be an all or nothing proposition because clearly uncheck social media use, there are lots of problems with it. And by the same token, by just saying, I don't want to deal with it at home, you're also missing out on some really good stuff. Yes. You know, I have good friends who are just never use any of it. And there are a lot of things that sometimes like, didn't you? Oh, no, because you're not on Facebook, on Twitter, on this and that. And there are some great things that pop up and information. This, So I feel that they are missing out on some stuff. But you're definitely opening yourself up to a vast amount of connection yeah. that you, not, you don't really have total control out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never mind, and you're bringing a different side to it because I've been hitting the time consumption aspect of oh. it a few times here, saying now sometimes it just sucks me in and just, make my hours disappear at the time when I'm already hard pressed for time. Yeah. Um, we are hitting from a different angle, which is also completely true because what you bring up, they're all very valid issues. It's tricky. It's well, the time thing is the worst because it's, you know, you get baited by something and get you riled up. The next thing you know, you're in some flame war with some yeah, guy. And, and those never go well. As I know when we said many times, yeah. no one ever changes their no, mind. Totally. It's really just, uh, let's push each other's button and get more peace because the reality is half hour later an hour later whatever many minutes later all you're gonna be is more pissed off yeah and That's... hopefully you've got the better insult in because if you didn't give yeah. that then you've lost on top exactly. of good lord no, we can't have that which just gets you riled for the next encounter you have completely there's a great show uh the black mirror have you ever seen that it's like the bbc's sort of version of uh twilight zone mm-hmm and uh, the first episode of the season is all the people have their phones going constantly and they're just smiling at each other. And, oh, so good to see right. you. And, oh, that was the best coffee anybody ever went. Like, 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 like. Because your place in society was measured according to the five-star scale. Oh, that's funny. And, like, you know, oh, well, you're a 4.2. You can't rent a car. Yeah. Or you get, you know. And it was just a fabulous sort of look at if it all went crazy and some of it feels like we're not too far away from that. No, I agree. I agree. That's why it's, uh, I think, is an everybody need to figure it out what exactly, rather than just going by inertia and just sort of leaving somebody else's priorities in regard to social media, I think yeah. it's a really good thing to figure out what do I gain from it? Where do I draw the line where I get the most gain without the crap? And that would be the best way. We were uh, in a waiting room. It was a hummingbird that just flew by Sweet. and dropped a big shit just to make sure it knew I saw him. <laughs> nice. Uh, we were sitting in a waiting room the other day, and there were probably 23 people in that mm -hmm. room, and most of them older. Yeah. And 20 of them never took their eyes off their phones. Right. There's something going on. It's the Luddite in me. And I just don't like it. <laughs> I'm sure the magazine companies are just terrified. Oh, yeah, of course. Nobody looking Not at Golf failing. Weekly or anything like that anymore. because they're gonna failing. It's just, I don't know. Times, they are a-changing, but if we never look sure at each other anymore, we're in more trouble than ever because we already don't believe each other. We already feel like we're, everybody's stealing our cultural, you know, you can't, you can't have McDonald's and crappy white people culture. That's mine. Then again, I remember growing up in Italy on the subway, basically, where, you know, I was traveling in Milan on the subway all the time. And... You know, unless you had a book that you're reading, but sometimes you're standing squeezed between three people trying to keep your balance, so it's not the easiest thing to read this tiny print stuff. 
just looking at each other was not necessarily conducive to good things. You know, there no, was that a, thing where you're just, weird. I would regularly fantasize if I had a superpower and I could just zap people out of existence with the tip of my finger, how many of these people survive around me. And it led to some uh, slightly misanthropic tendencies on my side. So sometimes maybe just checking your damn phone and looking at a cat video may be healthier for your mental space then uh so i don't know i still it's, think it's nice to chat with each other once in a while there's so much to be gained by it and uh i'm just gonna be that asshole that's always inserting myself into the conversation even when there is none i like your i like your sweet approach to this i know i'm i know i'm no no i see it i'm not thinking is wrong i'm thinking i guess mine is a little less I, I see slightly maybe more benefits than you do, and I see the other side not always quite as pleasant as you are portraying it. But again, this is not a difference of uh, is a different of degrees, not of one hundred percent difference. At some point, I'm going to have to wake up and realize that I uh, apparently am wrong. I have this notion that we're here to take care of each other and make a better planet for everybody. And, not and that's, these, and, and that's and a so, cool notion. I get that. And, and it's I foolish. agree. It's no, foolish. it's not foolish. I think it's good. That's, that's life. That's a good life. My issue sometimes is, um, like when it comes to new technologies and stuff like that, is if the old way was better, if the old way made people happier, if not having the gadget they are looking at but talking to the 10 people around you on the subway was better, people would still be doing it in the sense that People jump on something if it gives them more pleasure than the previous approach. So clearly there was something about the previous approach that did not deliver the goods quite as much, quite as often, which is why people want to gravitate to a different answer. I just feel like we've gravitated to, towards it and it's taken control before we took any amount of time to think, where does it lead? I agree on, on that part completely. Uh, but what I'm saying is that the good old days weren't so good either. Yeah. And so that the current setup or future may not be ideal, but definitely if it had been that good, people would have never wanted to change it. No, and there's the classic picture of a thousand people on the train car with their newspapers up. Yeah. It, what, you know, I don't know. I think we're technically a pretty decent species, but we've been sold a bill of goods that has us running on a gerbil wheel where very few people benefit. And gerbil wheel, yes. You should put, please put a gerbil wheel sound effect into this. I will definitely do that. All right, what else can we rant about? We, we, I think we ranted, because uh, we rant in every segment of this episode today. So I that think may that's be the good new enough, normal. Right. Well, I'm going to go get my giant Chief Joseph headdress and uh, walk around with it and see how much trouble I get. And red looks good. <laughs> So, Isabella moment for the day. Um, this was an interesting one. She has been struggling somewhat with uh, kind of the same issues that we all struggle with. Fear of failure, fear of being judged by others. Uh, all that kind of performance anxiety bullshit that 
keep us uh, from doing the things we actually want to do. It's the resistance. And we all deal with it, right? I mean, it's like some people are better than others, but nobody's immune. You know, we... I've just been dealing with it and I'm pretty pissed with myself, with my own failure sometime in handling it. So it's not that I don't get it. I get it, but she's had it a lot. You know, she's freaked out going through gymnastics because she's of what other kids are going to think about her. And oh. she's, you know, she has this thing where she wants to do everything perfect, which obviously A, is never going to happen. B, certainly not going to happen until you have trained like crazy in that particular, you know, nobody's great when you start. Yeah. So there was that. And I talked to her, I talked to her, I talked to her. I was trying to find different ways of phrasing it, different, and nothing would work, right? It was just, it just wouldn't, she understood it, but it wouldn't click. You know, at a deeper level, it really didn't click. That maybe, so I didn't know what to do. I was in the middle of like, hmm, how do I do this? How do I do this? And then I thought of something that turned out to be, helpful it wasn't really me doing something was more i asked our good old pal mike v um isabella really liked mike v for like she saw some of his videos and really dug them the skateboarding the jumping through the air the stuff he was doing so yeah. and you know when she met him she really liked him and stuff so she kind of looks up to him and so I asked Mike, hey, didn't you have a video where you're crashing like a million times before you hit this one move? That So he sent me this video and Iz was already pretty flattered that, you know, she was like, Mike V sent this video for me, but hey, he has way more important things to do than worry about my stuff. So she was already feeling very like special in that sense Hell that yeah. he had sent it. And then we watched the video together a couple of times and... The video is really heart-wrenching. I'll put a link in the episode notes. It's uh, <clears throat> Mike is trying to hit this move in front of a crowd of people and he mess it up 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 and he mess it up. Is this the one in, in Scandinavia or? I don't remember where this one is. Let me take a I look. I just remember when, when we were doing his show, he had that story and he's like, Mike V, you never let us down. And uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a related story. But yeah, no, not that one. Okay. Um, and you see this thing and it's painful to watch because it's not just failure in front of everybody where everybody is kind of at the edge of their seat waiting for you to pull it off and you keep fucking up. But it's is painful failure because every time he goes for it, he crashes bad, right? Like he's, he's not just an emotional pain. There's some physical pain with each mistake he makes. And he makes like about three zillion in a row. Whoa. Each time he's crash landing really heavy, taking a giant hit to your body. In one, it looks like he hit it. Everybody's jumping out and he's leap at the last moment. And I think because he was like, he hadn't, prepared himself for the fall the same way and he hits it face first oh. so when he comes back up his eyebrow is split open there's blood dripping down his face i mean the whole thing is like isabella was watching it and she was like jesus what and and eventually after really three million tries mike finally hits his move everybody loses their mind they're all super happy for him and everything and one of the things that he was bringing up was it wasn't he embarrassed to put up on YouTube something where he keeps messing up, you know? I mean, she she loved it, right? She was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. This is, but doesn't he feel weird about it? And I was like, 
this is exactly the point. No, he is not, because that's what allow him to become Mike V. Yeah. You know, stupid, hardcore, supreme willpower that doesn't take no for an answer. It's not that Mike one day just put the skateboard on the pavement and he could do all this amazing stuff. Is he just decided, I'm gonna be willing to pay the price. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna have. 10,000 noses smashed in my face, but I'm going to come up 10,001 times until it hits. No, I remember him talking about the first thing he was doing was jumping off of cars. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> right. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I was, you know, trying to deliver is the message. Look, everybody fail. You know, Mike, he's a god with the skateboard. Look at this. And this is, by the way, after he's already a god. Yeah. This is when he has already put in the time and the energy and all of it. And he's still, it's life. It's how it is. And I think that definitely helped her a ton. You know, it did more for her self-confidence and to actually make this thing click in her mind to understand it more than my three million of my motivational speeches of how failure is okay and you need to blah, blah, blah. You know, that stuff was too intellectual in a way. It didn't really sink in. And even when I told her personal stories, it still didn't sink in. Somehow seeing it on video like that, seeing Mike accepting to pay the price over and over, definitely helped. So I was in a very Mike V is the man kind of moment. If you guys have missed out on a couple of episodes we did with Mike over the years for the Drunken Taoist, they are glorious. Yeah, he digs deep and is not shy about anything. No. The second one, I mean, I love both of them, but the second one, Jesus, that was heavy. Yeah. I just couldn't even talk at the end of that one. It was so intense. But, uh, but yeah, this was an awesome coming through moment of Mike helping out Isabella with this. And, uh, and by that point in his career, uh, he had a pretty well twisted knee and, and hips oh, man. that were crushed and many broken bones and just to try it over and over again to succeed and to make, just to make the crowd happy. Yep. 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 And it's, it's with that thing also with himself, right? The whole thing of like, it's. I mean, because really, is it about skateboarding? Sure, not really. It's about self-perfection. It's about just not uh, giving up in the face of failure, which is what we all deal with, right? And because failure feels so ugly, none of us would like to pay the price. You know, it's not a fun feeling. It's like, yes, I'm going to fail 10,000 times. Happy me, you know? We want to run away from it when it's just some minor emotional failure. That's the price you'll pay, feeling, oh, I didn't get it right. Or he's doing it in a way where literally his bones are on the line each time. And so to see that, to me, is inspiring. That just drive, that keep coming forward no matter what. And the reality is we all absolutely need it because... It's the greatest of motivators in some sort of crazy way. Totally, man. It's like is there are a million, there are million different fields in life in which everywhere, everywhere we're going to get doors smashed in our face. Everywhere things are not going to work out our way. 
Uh, and granted, there is something to be said for intelligence where, you know, you pick your battles and you know which ones are worth fighting and which ones are just a monstrous waste of time. And yeah, you don't want to leave every one of your bones broken on the ground. But that, and sure, okay, we have that. And if you are the kind of person who's gung-ho ready to begin with, maybe you need to taper it off with some of the strategic wisdom about it. But for most of us, most people have the other problem. It's not so much is the excessive, excessive timidity, excessive willingness to just give up, turn the other way. In some cases, give up. Yeah. And in some cases, lie to ourselves so we don't have to face the things that... No, it wasn't meant to be... Case in point. Okay, fuck, let's talk about it. I'm so ridiculously disappointed with myself at the moment because, um, you know, I had this whole winter break where I had to do a lot of stuff, okay? I had a long list of things to do. But the key thing, the one that I absolutely wanted to get done was to get at least started on a new book, get 40 or 50 pages that I could give to an agent who's waiting for them and to just see if there could be you know if he could pitch them or not or you know and, and even just for me just get it started get it going because i know that once the semester begin in full swing i don't have the physical time to sit down and really write so but you barely like, had it over the break yeah but you know you I, got the holidays you got izzy you got three two shows bunch of other shows people want you on it's not by that, itself it's not that i don't understand the reason i'm just trying to help you know? no and you're right i mean again when i look back it's not that i was like you weren't just kicking back no. watching football the whole time That's far from sure. it yeah but still at the end of the day i still didn't do it there's no one line written in all that time and there's an element of it where it's like yes i was busy no argument yes there were m lots of things that had to be done no argument but there's also a part of me that th that thinks I was also probably running a little bit. You know, the times when I could have carved myself a four-hour window to get started and at least get the ball rolling, I probably decided, ah, tomorrow, let me work on this other thing instead. Let and that's me... almost okay. And you got Savannah and her training and all that. I mean, it's yeah. a, a, you've got a packed life, so I can't imagine. The... Four hours, how many real four-hour periods do you think you had in those four weeks? Not a lot. Six? Maybe not a lot, but the problem is, and again, I'm not, I'm just you're playing one you're, and you're doing it well. And I'm playing the other side, but both are true, right? Because yeah. what you're saying is absolutely true. The other side of it is there's always a good excuse. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's a great excuse. This always. Is your break. Yeah. There's always a good excuse not to get stuff done. This was important to me was, and I didn't do it. And there really is no one else that I can point the finger to and say, you know, I, it's how I structure my time is the choices I've made is how, and again, I could spin them beautifully. I could, but somehow I did manage to find the time to get all of those things done with where my self-esteem was not at stake. And you know, because these are all things that A, I know how to do, B, there's less pressure on me in terms of creativity and all of that. And somehow I did not find the time to do the one where more was at stake for me emotionally. 
Why? Because I'm a bitch. That's why. Oh, but it's so difficult. There's so many temptations that dangle around. This machine, evil machine in front of you has got to be one of the worst. Yeah. Have you ever sat down and the next thing you know it's two hours later? Totally. And in fact... We've got to fight this. Yeah. And that's one of the dangers of uh, Facebook, Twitter. And I mean, I've been... That realization has started sinking in. And I think, in fact, we even talked about it on the podcast. But, you know, from theoretically sinking in to actually really being able to... Well, it takes a minute to reach that point where you go, that's it. This is the last drink. You know, those sort of moments. And I feel like I'm almost there. That You cannot... Because it's so easy to just... Oh, I'll just check the cigarette. The traffic. Oh, Oh, what's that? And click. Totally. And then two hours later... It's gone. It's gone. And you have not produced anything in that amount of time except to rile yourself up. That's the only thing it seems to be good for these days. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, that especially, you know, Facebook, you look at your news feed. If you have a bunch of people on it that are not just the super close friends, sometimes you're going to run into things that just make you want to pull your hair out because you're like, what? People really believe this shit? That kind of thing. And in fact, yesterday I had this moment that was uh, one of my... Probably not one of my wisest choices to date, but I think I needed it in terms of personal therapy. Yeah. I got royally drunk because I was just cranky over the fact that what I just said, over the fact that I feel like I completely failed over the last few weeks. And I was like, you know what? I have all this pent up frustration in me. I think I'm going on Facebook and letting it all out. All these motherfuckers whose post I had to read for time and time again posting really dumb shit i'm just gonna so i just decided to dive into the sewers of politics on facebook which is nothing ever good comes out of it and you'll get no response at all and i decided let's just let's go there you know let's play and it was really just therapy it was just i needed to vent and that was the way to do it but uh and you changed a lot of minds oh i'm sure that's what all political discussion on facebook lead to is everybody back out yeah you've obviously fixed everything yeah everybody suddenly goes oh i see the wisdom of your ways now i can see how one of how could i have been so wrong that's why I've had the problems with this shit is that people yell at each other nonstop and there's no resolution ever. It's really just who comes up with the most creative insults at the end because you are like up in the fuck you, fuck you kind of mode. So it's, <laughs> yeah, no, again, not one of my proudest moments, but I think I needed it because I needed some kind of, I've been training more. I thought that could have been enough of a release. Apparently not. So... Uh, it's just how it is but in any case well that's a hell of an easy moment yes so Mike V for the win It's story time again, brought to you by our friends at Sure to Design T-shirts, or Happy Nipples for a Happy Planet. Now, most of our story times are about like exciting folks, like like righting wrongs and 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 making things better for the world. There's going to be another another great story like that today, right? For so, so, so somebody getting what they deserve for their vile crimes against humanity. This is a little heavy, and yeah, not quite yeah. with the. Uh... With the justice uh, twist at the end, not exactly. Well, so let's look at this story. Perfect for these days. Um, it's 
this whole thing is known as the triangle short waist factory fire. What this was was in early 1911 in New York, one of the biggest industrial disasters in uh, in US history. Let's look at what happens. This place, the site of the fire, is basically a sweatshop. It was a factory where overwhelmingly poor immigrants, mainly women, were hired to kind of produce textile day and night. And, um, you know, let's see, who are we talking about? Majority of the people working there, they were like some 500 workers. They were overwhelmingly either Jewish or Italian, which were some of the kind of the low-end uh, immigrant groups of the early 1900s. Um, so what we see here is the fact that on one particular day, on uh, March 25th, to be precise, 1911, a fire breaks out at the factory. Somebody probably threw a... There are different theories. Somebody may have thrown away a cigarette in a place where there were cuttings that caught on fire, or some people say that the machines that were producing the, um, some of this textile may have been running hot, sparking stuff. Nobody knows exactly how it started, but probably an accident wasn't awesome. Some kind of accident took place. Fire breaks out in the factory. Now, stuff like that happens, right? That's why... People have fire extinguishers in lots of places, or there's... Fire escapes? Exactly, that kind of thing. That's not quite the way it pans out in this particular tale. And this wasn't like a two-story building either. No, it's very tall. This was like seven to eight floors, something like that, of a building. Now, what happens is, technically speaking, there were multiple exits. So, you know, okay, there's a fire, you can run down and make it. One of the problems is that the fire was coming up from one of the exits blocking it, Uh, The two elevators quickly went, um, because of the heat and stuff, they they became unusable real quick. So they left only one exit left. What's the problem with the one? Well, the problem is the company policy. The owners of this place said that the doors would be locked all day long to prevent some of the workers from sneaking out, taking unauthorized breaks. So So you kind of... No smoke? If if they're allowed to have smoke breaks outside, none of this would have been a problem. Right? Nope. They have to be locked in during working hours. The guy who actually had the key to this one was the first one running out the door. So he's one of the ones who managed to get out before the fire got too bad with the key, trapping everybody else inside in this burning building. And never a notion to go and lock that fucking door. No, of course not. Because by that point, he's like, I'm not going to risk my life for that. So that's what happens. A whole bunch of them will, as a result of it, as the fire starts spreading, you know, everybody's terrified. Um, Again, mostly young Jewish and Italian women, they say, like, the oldest one of all was, like, in her early 40s. The youngest one was a 14-year-old kid, because, again, back then, laws regarding kids working were not exactly too strict. So the whole thing, you know, as you may imagine, panic, fear, everything is going to crap. Uh, some of them start dying because of smoke inhalation. Some of them probably getting burned. I bet some of got them trampled. When there's that, some of them, the, the firefighters arrive, and their ladders are not tall enough to reach the floors so high up. They don't manage to reach. So some 60-plus 
of these ladies jump from the building to their death just to avoid getting burned. I guess they decided that smashing themselves on the concrete was preferable to getting burned to death. It is a tough choice. Yeah. All in all, well, in that sense, speaking of New York, highly reminiscent of 9-11. Yeah. All in all, some 146 people died, 123 women and 23 men. And all of this, by the way, was completely legal because there was no law stating that you had to keep um, exit open during working hours. The whole idea is like, it's your building. You can do what you want with it. It's your business. If people if people decide they don't like how to do business with you, they can just not do business with you in the future, not work for you. So well, why have laws to regulate such things? Those are just pesky regulations that just grind uh, money making to a halt. The owners of this company were sued for they are, people argue manslaughter, but A, again, they were not violating any safety standards since they weren't any. There was no regulation. Two, through some highly paid lawyering, they mm. managed to discredit some of the witnesses, play it in such a way. So they were acquitted of those charges. They were found guilty of uh, in a civil suit, not in, a, in the criminal one. Yeah. But even in the civil suit, they were ordered to pay an amount of compensation to the families of the victims. There was about one-fourth than what they had received in insurance. So they actually made money on this. They got in their pockets for each one of those people dead more money than they had to give out to the families of these people to the tune of four times more money. So, yeah, this is a happy tale where justice prevails. Now, the whole thing, again, is, what's most striking about it is the fact that it was the norm back then. The complete lack of regulation allowed this to be okay. And this, I think, in my book is exhibit A for why, and I'm not saying it in a polemic kind of way or, oh, you must be stupid if you feel otherwise, but I'm saying why when I'm asked about libertarian ideals, why I, I'm 110% behind social libertarian issues, you know, end the war on drugs, legalize drugs, sure, no problem, legalize sex work, no problem, legalize euthanasia, no problem, legalize all of the things that are about personal choice. I am 300% libertarian. Because they don't affect anybody else. Live your life the way you want to. What you do right. behind your own doors is up to you. As per long as personal you're not choice. beating your children or, or, or burning people with cigarettes. Right, because that affects other people. Yes. Right? It doesn't just affect you. So that makes some... Um, I have no problem with that aspect of libertarian philosophy. I completely agree with it. Yep. The part where I do have problems with is the more business-oriented side. The whole idea where you're supposed to be slashing regulations is good for everybody. It's well, only good for the guys that don't go to jail. Yeah, there's 146 people here who tend to argue that it wasn't so good for them. And the whole idea that I just mentioned a minute ago is, oh, you know, a company will get a bad reputation if they do bad things and the free market will punish them in that way. Yeah, except that it never works that way. No. Or rather, it works that way so late 
compared to because the reality is that most people like their short-term profit now regardless of what happens later and if they can make enough short-term profit now it doesn't really matter what the backlash is because they've made their money and happily they go leaving bodies behind that seems to be what happens now so this whole idea that now let me clarify i don't believe that government is the solution to everything i do feel that in many cases government is the problem not the solution there are so you know this is not an either or proposition that you're either this big government fan or you are for complete deregulation i think that if government has any positive role ever is on passing those regulations that actually benefit a greater number of human beings versus harming them and granted in many cases regulations are less than perfect and there is corruption which lead to some of these regulation getting bypassed and only being enforced in some cases and not other you know there are all the problems that go with it but the solution in my book is not to get rid of them all because that again triangle short waist factory seems to beg to point in a different direction uh, this idea that lack of regulation will lead to better conditions and more freedom not the way i see it and that's why when i did the whole series on theodore roosevelt for history on fire i was intrigued with his position because he clearly cannot be accused to being this uh, you know big uh, liberal guy but his position was like look you need some regulations because lack of regulation just means corporate rape and pillage yep. that's it and and again it's not that corporations are not in bed with government and they can often get what they want anyway but it's it's better than nothing at least is uh is something that may not be perfect rather than nothing at all which opened the door to the worst bullshit ever well it's funny it's, once again the middle of the road seems to be the place to be no you, surely there's too much regulation there's mm -hmm. no question about that but Never is there going to be a time where it's not a good idea for it to be illegal to lock the doors, yeah. especially the emergency exits, to keep somebody from going to have a smoke break or sneak outside and make a phone call or whatever. Yep. And if that leads to a, a dip in your production, the American people have done nothing but improve their productiveness over the past 30 years. So to protect the workers, I don't understand how anybody can be against that. And that, I think, is my main issue with... All the libertarian stuff I read. Again, I completely support it from a social standpoint, personal choice standpoint. I do not feel that when it applies to corporations is always a good idea. That's why, did you ever read the book um, Fast Food Nation? I think I saw the movie. Yeah, I didn't, actually, I didn't see the movie. I read the book. It was... Um, it's interesting. Because it's one about the, 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 down... the cattle workers and just in yeah. insane conditions that they're they're stomping around in feces and just that's it's a okay. Great, and... Yeah, it's a great cultural history about fast food in general. It yeah. kind of tells you the stories about the people who started the McDonald's, Carl Jr. and stuff. It talks about the culture that produced it. It talks about, and then it also talks about the completely ugly side of it, both in production as well as day-to-day -day operations. Uh, and one of the arguments he makes is the idea that in some cases, less laws are a good thing. But in some cases, there's this notion of, uh, here is the quote. It says, an economic system promising freedom has too often become a means of denying it. As the narrow dictates of the market 
gain precedence over more important democratic values. You know, theoretical freedom is nice and sweet, but when it means the freedom of a corporation to just fuck over everybody and not pay consequences, that's not freedom. Because obviously the, your individual freedom to reject this guy's business is not quite on par with this guy's ability to manipulate events to their advantage. It's kind of assuming that this level playing field, you know, McDonald's Corporation has the same power as you individual consumer. That's not the way it's going to work out. And there's no record really of them. Who's ever done the right thing? Yeah, exactly. So to me, it's uh, one of those issues where theoretically it sounds sweet. I don't really see it in reality. And I'm not even, I'm not arguing that people who feel otherwise are dumb because I'm sure, you know, I can see arguments how it could go the other way. I just don't see them too much in reality. I find that the evidence doesn't seem to to back that up. And this particular story to me is exhibit A in uh, how do you prevent this kind of stuff without regulation. And I don't find that the answer is just don't work for them, go look for another job is one that's very realistic in most cases. So that's my issue. In any case, aside for my issue, aside for the commentary, take the story for what it is, a fairly dramatic example of shit going wrong in early U.S. history when uh, business get what it wants and people not so much. And things did get a little better because of things like yeah. that. There was regulation that got put forward. It always takes me back to what Mr. Spock used to tell us. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Well, and it, we have completely lost track of that, that it's all about these millions of people just feeding upwards to these 2,000 individuals who get all the money and get no reward for it. And this is exactly the Theodore Roosevelt kind of argument. You know, that's why he was passing a bunch of regulations during this time at a time when there weren't any. Because yeah. his idea was like, look, I'm not trying to destroy capitalism here. I'm just trying to make it less uh, rape and pillage so that we can actually have a functioning capitalism as opposed to one that's just designed to screw everybody over and create more misery for human beings. Not a wild concept. That's why good old Theodore is, despite his craziness, despite some of the really weird things he said and did, because it was far from perfect, he still had... Uh, I really can't think of too many U.S. presidents that I don't completely despise. Well, that same goes for most presidents of any countries, really. But uh, Roosevelt had at least a few things that I find admirable. Well, an um, amazing evolution, too. And yeah. thankfully for the, his love of... Uh nature absolutely the things he started there yep 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 well teddy roosevelt hats off indeed if only uh, we could uh, master the art of resurrection that would be nice time to get the mailbag out and have some nice piece of mail that's not going to cause any trouble and everyone will have a nice opinion of and we can all agree that yes indeed we shouldn't be erasing facts off of our government websites because we pay for that shit with our tax dollars well since we have just been um pissing off our more conservative listeners in more parts of this podcast already let's go a little bit the other route just okay. for 
balance sake and, and also because that's how it is. Uh, specifically, it's spurred by a question by Hetty Anting. Wow. Maybe. I have no idea if that comes even close to pronouncing your name correctly. Sorry. Um, the question is quick and simple. It's a one-liner. Please, may you talk about cultural appropriation? I'd like to hear your spin on it. It's convenient that I've got my dreadlocks today. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who would have thought? So, I mean, the whole issue about cultural appropriation is the notion that some people are pissed off over the fact that people from other cultures, usually whites, but not only, occasionally there are others who are targeted for this, appropriate pieces of somebody else's culture, quote-unquote, without permission. Uh, how do I even start? I think this whole idea of cultural appropriation is bullshit. Let's start with that. Well, if you're going to have a melting pot, yeah. there's going to be some melting. That's usually how it works. The very idea that something belonged to a culture, yeah, a thousand years ago maybe, where you know you live in one valley and you don't know what the hell is happening in the next valley and you know there are things that are clearly you live in a global world where information cultural practices everything is exchanged constantly not only that but one of my issues with cultural appropriation and this idea of cultural practices belonging to anybody is the idea that it assumes that cultures are static that things don't change you know, are you less of a whatever ethnic group may be because you do things that your ancestors 300 years ago didn't do? Are you supposed to dress the same way? And if you don't, is uh, some kind of that means you're getting... Like if you are Puerto Rican, but you just love Thai food and that's all you eat and you listen to country music, does that mean that you are a traitor to the race? And yes. that you right that's part of my issue with that is no fuck no everybody has choices everybody can pick from wherever some people will mix things in a less than brilliant way some people will create brilliant mixes but mixing stuff from different sources is what the modern world is all about right it's like does eminem have no right to rap because he's a white guy does Yao Ming cannot play basketball because he's a white because he's a uh, Chinese guy? I believe Eminem do. was the first white guy to do black music so successfully since Elvis. Right? It's like, and yes, I mean there is something. For example, the Elvis case, right? There is something that kind of pisses you off when you have black musicians playing rock and gaining relatively little recognition. Then you have a white guy doing the exact same thing and making bank, doing really quality-wise, not because you look at what Chuck Berry was doing or something. So I can see how there are some issues there. It's not that I don't see it, but the point is then you just want to reduce racism in society as a whole and create more opportunities for everybody. It's not that you want to prevent people from being able to have access to different forms of expression because they were... Because again, it's like if you use uh, any of the modern technology created in the West, does that mean that you shouldn't if you grew up in a culture that did not... If your, col if your nation did not produce the iPhone, does that mean that it's cultural appropriation because you use an iPhone? Fuck no, it's being a human in the modern world, right? If you... So this idea, there was a case that you mentioned right before we started recording, um, Northern Cal, when some lady went off on some white guy for having dreadlocks... Are you fucking kidding me? It's like, really? This is because, uh, you know, the red dogs are a black thing. Nobody else is supposed to have them. 
And then when people actually got to digging deep, dreadlocks had existed in many places all through history. Of course. It's just sort of a thing that happened. When you don't wash your funky hair, you know. Right. The one that made me crazy, and I'm not completely sure on the facts, but it was a woman, perhaps in an Uber, and the guy had the little hula girl on on his mm-hmm. dashboard. And she and she's not even a Hawaiian, but it's a white woman going right. crazy on some poor cab driver because he's trying to appropriate the culture. Yeah, that's just bullshit. You wouldn't like my car at all because I have my. I even got a tiki guy on the on, a, on the back window. But by God, I was born in Hawaii. Right. Now, since I'm whitey, born in Hawaii, if I put a grass skirt on and and spin a, a burning torch, am I suddenly appropriating culture? That or would am be I, that would be the idea, right? That, but you that are, wouldn't uh, be true. I'm just this is where I dropped into the planet, and if I want to join in with my fellow locals, right. I think that's the problem. I think that's yeah. The, it's when that secondary, like, oh, I have to protect others. Now we're getting to the social justice warrior sort of level. Of exactly. I have to protect everybody, and I just don't get it. And for like pure facts, like I said earlier, I believe it's been stated like nine out of ten Native Americans don't give a shit about the Regstein logo. Yeah. Of course, and, and the ten, and the one in ten that are pissed off, I can understand that that angle as well. They sure. could be upsetting for you, but. You can't even wear an, an Indian chief costume to Halloween anymore without well, making somebody crazy? Let's look at those examples, right? If somebody wants to start a football team called uh, the Brooklyn Mafia and you have a logo of some stereotypical Italian mafia dude from... Do I give a fuck? Does that offend me? I think it's fun, if anything, and I clearly don't give a fuck. It's like, how is that even an issue? You exactly. know, it's like, how is it... Nobody, you know, do you see a long line of Swedes pissed off over the fact that there are the Minnesota Vikings and, oh, that's stereotype. <laughs> Fuck off, relax a second already. You know, this is not... And ultimately, here is my problem. Let's say you're right, okay? And there is something wrong with the Washington Redskins things and there is something wrong with the dressing up as whatever for Halloween and all of that. And don't get me wrong, there are obviously certain uses of costumes or things that are in better taste than others. Some stuff clearly sucks and is in poor taste, and you find, you know, when things go into a... You know, so, okay, I get that part, but the point is, it's still a losing battle, because you are essentially trying to tell everybody what they can and cannot wear, what's okay to do or not do which is even if you are 100% right, which I'm kind of denying, but let's assume that you are, if the result is only to piss people off and you don't really get anybody to your side, which is kind of what happened in here because I don't exactly see, like I've talked to so many people over, for example, the Halloween costumes issue. I cannot think of more than one who change their mind as a result of somebody bitching at them over it. And I can think of dozens who got more pissed off and more defensive and more, if anything, being pushed in a more right-wing camp as a result of stuff like that. So to me, let's look strategy. Whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, in doing that, you're accomplishing the opposite. So clearly that's not working. Oh, yeah. Once you've been told you can't do that, you're more than likely the next Halloween... Ten times as many people. Exactly. Either you're communicating your message poorly or your message needs some revision. In either case, it's not working. And I think, again, I get it when somebody's taking, for example, let's look at cases where I do see a more legitimate aspect to the whole cultural appropriation issue. 
when you do for example after the 1990 i think it was dances with wolves there was a period where indians were in they were fashionable it was kind of like oh cool american indian stuff in the 90s so particularly with the new age movement with dances with wolves kind of movies making this popular there was a lot of demand for native spirituality and that kind of shit so after you see some white lady from Nebraska coming out and putting on seminars saying, I learned the ways of the wise natives and I'm going to turn you into a shaman over six weeks for $5,000 course, I can see how that would be more than a bit offensive to people who have had their religion being made illegal by the US government and they had to hold on to it under duress, under threat of jail, in order to keep it survive, only to see some crazy bitch turn it into a money-making opportunity. I do see how that's upsetting. And that's clearly fucked up. But the solution is not to go after people who are simply, who are not the profit-driven evil bitch who's doing that, but who are just the tons of people who simply have an interest and want to know more about it and want to see what it's all about and say, it sounds cool, can I can I have in you know you don't leave people out because of their own skin color based on stuff like that you don't and it's not like all natives do it there are plenty of natives who don't who are very open but there is enough of that kind of response that in many cases it's just counterproductive it only pisses people off it doesn't really seem to achieve the desired result and I think there's an equality effort there to me it's like if I see if I go out and have Italian food in the US, half of the time I want to shoot the chef because I'm just like, what the fuck? You That's took just something that was though. amazing. <laughs> it's what my grandma makes and you turn it into this crap. What the hell? I don't have an issue with them changing it. I don't have an issue with somebody who's not Italian cooking it. I don't have an issue with somebody who's not Italian changing it. I have an issue with the result. If you turn it to crap, I have a problem. But again, it's not a you don't have a right problem. It's you suck as a chef problem. If you, like once when I was in Italy and um, I went out with damn pizza, right? And in the restaurant, the whole restaurant was owned, operated, waiter, waitresses, chefs, owner, everybody was Chinese cooking Italian food in Italy. And it was awesome. And it tasted great. So what the hell do I care? It's like, I'm going to have an issue because it's like, you're stealing my pizza. Are you kidding me? It's like... And and the funny thing about it on cultural traditions is that if you go back far enough, every tradition is born out of a mix of different influences. Italian food, steel noodles from China and tomatoes from the Americas, boom, you have Italian cuisine. All traditions are made up. All culture is in flux. There is no this sense of ownership that's tied to just one thing. So that's my problem with this, is that A, I think is a bit of a fascist concept, this idea that culture belong to one particular ethnic group or nation or skin color and everybody else hands off you have no right to touch it because that's not the way globalization works we are all borrowing i challenge one person to have a completely intact quote-unquote pure culture which sounds like a hitler dream it sounds like a nazi thing First, it doesn't exist. Second, yeah, tell me how you live, what kind of clothes you wear. What? It's a joke. Everybody's borrowing stuff from everybody else. Pants right? with two legs? Oh, I'm afraid that was taken from a second century Mayans. Right? Somebody's always... So that's my point. It's like, shut the fuck up about this stuff. Shut the fuck up because it's not right. 
shut the fuck up because even if he was right, and again, there are cases where I do see the point more than in others, the way to communicate it is not by yelling at people because uh, they are using something. The way you communicate it is by fencing, educating people into make that better, into make that, use that as an occasion for education. In my case, you know, if it's uh, like, teach somebody how to cook it the right way where it tastes better and it's lighter. Teach somebody how that same uh, kind of uh, oh, funny use that I'm going to have some of the meaning of how it's used within the culture and then let them be. They can use it or not use it. They can learn from it or not. But that's your opportunity. Make it a source of positive dialogue. Nobody likes to be lectured. Nobody likes to be yelled at over this stuff is not just smart tactics. That's just not how it works. And you're right. What sort of society would there be if there, once again, more walls put around, we're going to do our stuff this way and nobody else can even touch it. That's not the way the world's going to go. We can make that attempt. But in the end, there's always going to be kids that want to go over and hang out with those kids and that will blossom into something else. And I don't know. It's infuriating. Well, I guess, let me totally know what Hattie was asking, but let me go, I guess, on a related thing, which call it mailbag rant, whatever, but is, like, there was an issue uh, by now, by the time we release, will be a few weeks of uh, this uh, protest in Berkeley, again, the speech of, what's the name of the motherfucker who I hate? Milo. Milo something, Jan, whatever the fuck, right? Unpronounceable last yeah. name. That dude. And the thing that... Forget, I think, I'm fascinated with strategy. I'm really interested in the effect that somebody's action has and what are they thinking when they set those actions in motion, whether they are just... In this case, there was this big protest against him, which is already a bad start because the, the little fucker thrives just on... He's a troll who thrives on opposition. So the more you protest him, the more he gets what he wants. Well, especially on a college campus where that has long embraced, they will listen to everybody's opinions and right. they allow free speech. And in fact, the students were being just protesting, which again, I think is a bad idea, but fine. And then there was a group of people who came in, all dressed in black, face cover, started smashing things, setting stuff on fire. Now, there are two possibilities about that story. One is that this is a complete false flag bullshit, where it's Milo and company paid off somebody to do that because that would give them exactly what they want. The oh, case yeah. to point as look at these evil leftists who are trying to crush our free speech, get free publicity, get all of that. Get Jerry Falwell Jr. to have to see what the public colleges are up to. Right. That's possibility that number like one. Check, 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 check. Let's assume, because we're not Alex Jones and we don't go for the conspiracy at every turn and it's not all because of an alliance of Jewish bankers and lizard people, Let's assume that that's not the case, and what you see is what you get. And it was indeed a group of well crazy, hardcore leftists going after it. Which, again, it's not that it's completely unthinkable, which is why false flag work is that you usually do it with something that's believable. Because there have been some people on the crazier end of the left pushing against some free speech aspect, for sure, right? The point is... If this is legitimate and is not a made-up thing, then you're just an idiot. You're just an idiot for the simple reason that you're not achieving shit. You know, the only thing you're achieving is having made Milo, whatever the fuck his name is, become number one bestseller list on Amazon. 
the guy is the more you shut him down and you don't let him speak in front of 300 people the more he gets 2 million people the more he's laughing all the way to the bank every time you go after him protesting you know that's what he wants now forget the morality of it but i understand like i i got into it with some people on twitter because as usual this kind of thing is like conservatives hit my guts because i'm not conservative enough and i point to their stupidity but hardcore people on the left do the same thing so i had a few guys who were all pissed off there was even some dude who was all like let's start writing all negative reviews on this damn podcast because this guy is an asshole my point was strategy again if you let's assume that what you are protesting against is truly horrible and evil okay and in the case of milo little bitch yes he's pretty fucked up i get that but if your actions if your protest if your i'm gonna stand up to fascism kind of bullshit lead to empowering them more then you're just an idiot then you are just a tool in their hands to get exactly what they want then you're proving their points in a way that if you instead you let their stupidity shine that would do more than trying to squash it and make it a free speech issue so that's my problem with this kind of stuff is that it denotes a level of mental stupidity that's embarrassing and lack of strategy you know if you decide there are these evil fascists out there and they need to be stopped and so you decide to create your ninja group that without saying anything to anybody you just pop some people in the head a few times and you are going on this assassination campaign where you bury bodies in the desert and don't tell anything to anybody we may have a discussion about the morality of it all we can have some issues about whether that's a good idea in that department but from an effectiveness standpoint i get it you know i see what you're you don't do it popular at a at a well-known level where there will be a backlash against it you do it silently and effectively i see the logic you do this which is all smoke and no substance because you don't really shut anything down you're just making yourself feeling better by going out and setting two things on fire and making making yourself feel like you're a tough guy you're not a tough guy you're an idiot that's a whole different story in this well where do you put the regular students that are just hanging out with their signs and, and ranting and raving that's that i just don't think is smart i mean you're not evil you're not i just think he's not smart in the sense that again the more you the more you make it sound like you're not willing to engage in dialogue and you're trying to get the guy shut down the more you're giving this yeah, idiot or oh, people no like speech. him you guys exactly. hate free speech exactly that's it's, a tough one so to me it's like either ignore it option number one or option number two engage it in a as a debate with with the skills required to win your point because your ideas are better not because the other guy is so bad not because you point the finger and say he's evil that's great how does that make you better or do you actually have something to say that can shut the guy down that can make a valid point that can you know if the guy is such an idiot and i believe he is or many people like him then have a honest confrontation where your points are so clearly superior that you crush him on the field of battle so to speak in in a in a debate without having to yell without having to scream without any to crush free speech you do it that way it is interesting though we're at a point now where 
people are so split that they don't care what you say. There's nothing you can say that's going to sway them. That's true. That's and also then true. we really end up in a tough spot. Yeah, which are eco chambers that are crazy. But if you're going to have any chance whatsoever to sway anybody and not just preach to the choir, yeah. you need to do it in the Dan Carlin way. You need to do it in a nuanced way, which is will lower the guard of at least a few people who are going to be, oh, he's not just the other side, the stereotype of what the other side is. He's a guy who's looking at it from both sides. Then you actually have a shot at swaying a few people. Otherwise, you might as well talk to your walls because you're only convincing people who are already on your side. You're not really having an impact on anybody. So there you go. No answer. <laughs> what do you mean no answer? There were like 5,200 answers in this. It just seems like we're trapped. Well, I mean... Mm, solutions change positive outcomes none of them are easy okay there's no put two and two and you'll get this amazing four or everything is going to work out great it's still you're dealing with time energy sweat effort and even then you can do everything perfect and it doesn't guarantee a good outcome yeah but it sure as hell be told the bad strategy it's like a great strategy doesn't guarantee success but a bad strategy almost certainly guarantees failure <laughs> you know <laughs> Alrighty, zip! Well, the funky music means you made it all the way through to the end of the Rantathon, and uh, I think there's some pretty good issues in there. Most definitely. And there are some pretty good humans who have been donating to us. What? Let's say a thank you to them all. I'm going to guess I know 80% of their names. I think you're probably right. Let the pottering begin. We got Tim McClure, Caroline Varner, Christopher Costello, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Aaron McLaughlin, Aaron Atwood, Lila Abugeda, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Alexander Kuzner, Chris Martin. Thanks to the, to, to the gang of 10 that seems to always be there for us. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Now, what are you talking about? This time was 12. Whatever. Well, two seemed like they were new. They yeah, really seemed yeah. to be constant, very, very constant readers. Totally. Very sweet of you guys. Much, much appreciated. Thank you, of course, to Only Datsusara and Shore Design, our trifecta always in our corner. Please check their websites if you have never done it. See if there's anything that interests you. They always get new products, so once in a while, just take a look again if something can interest you. We never want you to buy stuff that you're not going to use, because as much as uh, we can use the, hey, great that people are buying through the link, that's really not the point. It's because we like their stuff. They produce excellent quality goods that we use all the time. Yep. So if you can benefit from it, great. Everybody wins. And if not, no worries. But check them out at least once. Look at their websites. All, nothing but good stuff there. Uh, what else? Thank you, of course, to Daisy House for the music. Um, check out Coracao Chocolates in the episode notes in case you want some fancy, cool chocolates. What else do we got? Uh, Amazon link always. Please use it. It helps a bunch. Please, while you're at it, so you don't have to remember any of these, just do it once. Bookmark it 
have it there, done. And then you use it every other time, that's perfect. Um, other things that, of course, I want to say, uh, what do we got? What do we got? Oh, a quick thank you to uh, Fight Chicks. Savannah has a few t-shirts there. She got all her uh, uh, Savage Buddha logo shirts, hoodies, and stuff like that. There's a link to get a discount from Fight Chicks products since they sponsor their kind of ever line in there of some of her artistic work put on uh, t-shirts so that's good stuff speaking of artistic t-shirts oh. did i not see some awesome artwork with a certain orgasm counting gnome that might possibly oh, yeah, be of yeah, interest yeah. to folks out there yeah that was glorious we we're peeking at their uh, sketchbook the other day there was stuff that i didn't even know she did that was beautiful so i hope she follows through with it because there's some glorious glorious stuff yes um there, there are a few that she's working on that i think I need to get on her ass to make sure she gets them done because they are beautiful. They would do great. There was the Tomo Gods and one. She kind of did it, but I think she's working on new versions that I like even best. Nice. So there's great stuff. In any case, on the Fight Chicks thing, the, there's a discount code DRUNKEN as appropriately for the Drunken Taoist and the number 20. DRUNKEN20 for a discount on their products. Uh, I think we're done. Yeah, sounds like the bombers are coming in right now. Yeah, I can hear uh, these house. There are crazy planes. Well, it's LA, really. There are planes all over all the time. It's strange. With that, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a beautiful day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.